Next, the golden days of radio. Hi, this is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past, headlining some of the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are featuring a salute to one of the greatest comedians of all time, Fred Allen. I know many of you will remember Fred Allen. He was a comedian's comedian and a humorist who had no peers. He began his radio career in October 1932 and continued for almost two decades. His humor was always fresh and bright. So now, on the subject of present-day humor... Yes? Fred Allen interviews Fred Allen. Well, I guess this proves it. If you stay in radio long enough, you'll end up talking to yourself. Tell me, Mr. Allen. Uh, yes, Fred. How would you characterize the humor of today? The, uh, the humor of today is like the times. Mechanized, urbanized, produced in such quantity, it's downright chaotic. Uh-huh. Why is that, Mr. Allen? Well, look at the various demands put upon humor today. Humor for magazines, books, movies, plays, newspapers, radio. Did you say radio, Mr. Allen? Radio? Yes, I did say radio, sir. Radio is exactly where humor has reached its lowest ebb. My word. Uh, and you would say, Mr. Allen? I would say that while so-called radio humor flows unceasingly, it has lost all spontaneity. The king of the airwaves, the comedian, is rarely more than a mouthpiece for his writers. Now, witness one Jack Benny, who once confronted me with, you wouldn't talk to me like that if I had my gag writers here. You don't say. Yes, I did say. But it didn't sound like Benny, but I did <laughs> say. Yes, too many comedians... <laughs> too many comedians survive on the brains of other people. Is that bad, Mr. Allen? Bad, Fred? Don't you ever listen to the radio? But whose fault is it, Mr. Well, Allen? Well, it's nobody's fault. Radio comedians are victims of the times. Radio as a medium demands more so-called humorous material than there are creative minds to supply it. Uh, tell me, is it a hard life, Mr. Allen? Is it a hard life? Is it a hard life? Have you ever thought what a radio comedian goes through in a week? Monday. Monday. From the moment my alarm clock rings, I begin to hear those inner voices. <laughs> You gotta be funny on Sunday. You gotta be funny on Sunday. I pull the covers up over my head. I stuff my fingers into my ears. But it's no use. The voices are always there, haunting me. <laughs> you gotta be funny on Sunday. I jump out of bed. I flex my legs. I begin another week on the treadmill of radio. Tuesday. By Tuesday, I'm starting to get nervous. I reassure myself and sneak a peek at a fan letter about my last program. The fan letter reads, Do you smell? And back come the voices. <laughs> you gotta be funny on Sunday. You gotta be funny on Sunday. I haul out the jokes I've been stuffing into my pockets. Notes for jokes written on subways, in movies, on lonely walks, in the midst of nightmares. I take one horrible look and send for my usual breakfast. Say, Portland, poach two aspirin on toast. On 
Wednesday again, and those voices greet me. <laughs> you got to be funny on Sunday. You got to be funny on Sunday. <laughs> but I defy them, because Wednesday is when I meet with my writers. My writers will save me. I know they'll save me. Well, morning, Mr. Allen. Morning, Mr. Allen. Morning, Mr. Allen. Well, boys, we need plenty of jokes for Sunday. I, I, I got one, Mr. Allen. Yes, Bob. Uh, how's this? Listen, who was that ladle I saw you with last night? That was no ladle. That was my wife. Hey, that's pretty good. I like that very much. I like that very much. Yeah. Here we are back with the cavemen. With these radio writers, I must seek to replace the leisure of Mark Twain. Louder grow the voices. You gotta be funny on Sunday. You gotta be funny on Sunday. No, 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 no. Thursday, we've got one joke. We need 75 more jokes to fill the script. Once again, I turn hopefully when one of my writers says... Then you meet a guy on the street, see? Yeah, yeah. And he says to you, have you seen my dog? My dog. And you say, you mean the dog that limps with the black hair, long floppy ears, leather collar, and the spot between his eyes? He says, yes. <laughs> and you say, no, I haven't seen him. <laughs> wait, wait. Now, wait, wait a minute, Sam. What's Look, I can't tell that gag. That gag goes back to Voltaire. Who's Voltaire? I stole that one from Bob Hope. Friday, we really get into mass production humor. After the first rehearsal, the cry goes up for gags. Gags. We need more gags, man. Gags about... Babies, barbers, beauty, boats, drips, droops, dopes, dames. To add to this bedlam, there are always those voices. <laughs> you gotta be funny on Sunday. You gotta be funny on Sunday. You gotta be funny Saturday... Saturday is baked beans, more rehearsal and cutting, and of course... <laughs> you gotta be funny on Sunday! I know, I know, I know, I know! Sunday! <laughs> you better be funny! I'm ready. the funniest man in America, Fred Allen! Thank you, thank you, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, I start my program with a little song entitled, When They Find Out About Phenobarbital in Tennessee, It'll Be Sleepy Time Down South. <laughs> I guess the business of being funny today just ain't funny, Fred. Well, that's just about it, Brother uh, Grower. Uh, radio humor has become a serious mass-produced enterprise, demanding material to fill 18 hours a day, and in the process, leaving its exhausted perpetrators, writers and actors both, mark you, with naught but blank expressions and trembling hands. Uh, Fred, you... You've told us what you humor is. I know things are tough, all of us. You've told us what humor is, what all it does me. for us, something of its history, how you rate it today, and what it reveals about us. That is, how it reflects the fast tempo of modern life. Yes. Now, what about the future, Fred? You think, will things get any better? For instance, will we laugh more tomorrow? Well, the only way I can answer that question is to ask another question. Will we slow down tomorrow? 
Now, all humor, in my opinion, should be created and disseminated in an atmosphere of relaxation. There should be time to think humor, time to tell humor, and to enjoy humor. Maybe with men working fewer hours in the day and finding more leisure, the quality of our humor will improve. But I have my doubts. And certainly, radio works against all of this. Well, you see little hope, then, for humor in radio. Huh? Well, where there's life, of course, there's always hope, Ben. But the present-day trend, uh, to me, it seems to be in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. Now, look, I never thought that I would live to see the day when I'd have to compete with a washing machine <laughs> and $300,000. Iceboxes are replacing actors and musicians. The idea is, of course, if you can't entertain people, give them something. Now, if that isn't the sorry commentary on uh, contemporary entertainment, then I don't know a, some, a sorry commentary when I see one. Yeah. And well, I have seen some sorry commentaries. <laughs> I'm an authority on sorry commentaries, uh, as a matter uh, of fact. Fred, but look, there's a new thought about what about television? Well, television, I'm afraid, is going to make it worse, what? Ben. In the beginning, as you know, television drove people out of the saloons into their homes. But now people have sets in their homes. Television is driving them out of their homes back into the saloon. Oh, no, wait a minute. But as a new source of humor, oh, Fred... Oh, new source of humor. So far, it's nothing but uh, a throwback, reviving the vaudeville approach to everything, from mugging to juggling. But who can tell, Ben? Television is doing such great things in drama. Who knows? It may find the answer to what is lacking in American humor today. Well, that brings us, Fred, to the last question of all. So what? So what? Well, I, if you've summed up, so shall I. We can take hope from the fact that regardless of what radio and television are doing to it, humor will never die. Yes, maybe if we can find a common bond in humor to stop the fuss and fighting and feuding in the world, we might actually laugh our way into peace. In the final analysis, laughter is the universal language of mankind, and a little nonsense now and then is relished by the wisest men. Harry, Harry, are you asleep? Harry, wake up. I just had a great dream. <laughs> What's that? Who, who, what? Harry, I just dreamed our SGLI rates went down 15%, and now $15,000 worth of that great protection costs only two fifty-five dollars a month. You dingbat. That's no dream. That's exactly what the Veterans Administration did. Oh? Well, those boys at the VA really latch on to good ideas pretty fast. I just told you about it a minute ago. Fred. What, Harry? Dream about us getting transferred to Miami Beach. Okay. And now Fred Allen at his best, ad-libbing. The place is the, Fr the Friars Club in New York City as Mr. Allen introduces his longtime friend and rival, Jack Benny. It is customary, I know, for a speaker to make a few flattering remarks about the guest of honor. Uh, I know him from the performer's side for many years. I first met, uh, first met Mr. Benny many years ago in vaudeville. I was playing Centralia, Illinois, the big house. And Mr. Benny was appearing at a small theater in a suburb of Centralia. <laughs> the, the theater was so far back in the woods, the manager was a bear. to pay the axe off in honey. It's the only <laughs> And the theater really wasn't a building, it was a cave. And Mr. Benny's dressing room was a hollow tree. Variety didn't cover this theater. The acts were reviewed by the dramatic critic of Forest and Stream. 
Mr. Benny was closing, uh, was next to closing on a two-act bill. The, the feature act was a fire eater. You know, in those days, there was no heat in the theaters, and managers used to book fire eaters. Before the show, the manager would chase the fire eater up and down the aisles. The fire eater would start breathing hard and heat up the theater. Well, this fire eater on the bill with Mr. Benny was a, a worrier. The first fire eater I ever knew who had an ulcer. It was a pilot light. Well, Mr. Benny's act, as I recall, uh, in those days, was rather unique. He worked as a gypsy. And after the show, he would sit in the lobby with his gypsy robes on and tell fortunes. As the act opened, the stage was dark, and Mr. Benny would come on playing glowworm on his violin with a neon bow. During his rendition, Mr. Benny hit so many clinkers that he had to stoke his violin after each number. Mr. Benny was the only violinist. After you heard him play, you felt that the strings would sound better if they were back in the cat. <laughs> for, a finish of it, for the finish of his act, Mr. Benny played Stars and Stripes Forever and waved an American flag. Uh, after his first bow, he also waved a Union Jack, in case there was an Englishman in the audience. In those days, Mr. Benny had no suitcase. When he left town, he would take the strings off his violin and use them to tie up his wardrobe. Well, after this first meeting in vaudeville, since I only played the bigger cities, I didn't see Mr. Benny again for many years. Our paths crossed next during World War I. Mr. Benny was wearing a sailor suit. We, of course, all know his record in the Navy. Mr. Benny was the first sailor in the history of the Navy to ever get seasick in a recruiting office. Even today in the Friars Club, Mr. Benny has to take Dramamine before he can look at the Yacht Club boys. <laughs> when Sailor Jack finally got on his first battleship, he thought every deck was the poop deck. They were giving it to him all over the boat. But after the war, Mr. Benny had some lean years. He used to lean against the front of the palace and wonder if he would ever get inside. Things got so bad when he practiced his violin, he was using his dandruff for rosin. For a time, he left show business and took a job in a health food store. He had an acid condition. He used to stand near the milk and make yogurt out of the milk by appointment. Then, then his luck... I may as well get a few laughs here. I get none in television, of course, you know about it. <laughs> then, <laughs> then his luck changed. Mr. Betty married, and his wife was so clever, he was able to get back into show business. He appeared in Earl Carroll's Vanities. In one memorable tableau, Mr. Benny came on the stage dressed as Abraham Lincoln. For many years, Lincoln had been on the penny but thanks to Mr. Benny's impersonation, the scent was finally on Lincoln. <laughs> well, Mr. Benny's, uh, uh, Mr. Benny's record speaks for itself. He was in vaudeville until 1930 when vaudeville died. He appeared in Broadway shows and the theater declined. 
He went into motion pictures and the industry collapsed. <laughs> he has been in radio and radio is slowly disintegrated. After killing vaudeville, ruining the theater, causing the decline of the motion picture and radio, Mr. Benny has at last gone into television. Television may as well pucker its screen, for it is about to receive the kiss of death. <laughs> but I have only been uh, joking uh, in a mild way, ladies and gentlemen. Jack is, as I know and we all know, the best-liked man in show business today. And if our country was only fortunate enough to enjoy the status Jack enjoys, our country, too, would not have an enemy in the world. On this note, I close, ladies and gentlemen. There is only one friar living who would travel 3,000 miles across the country to get a free meal, and he is your guest of honor tonight. Now here's a collector's item. It's uh, Fred Allen and Jack Benny appearing together over 30 years ago. This is a special Christmas show in 1942. And now, ladies and gentlemen, from New York City, we'll bring you two lads who, after a seven-year misunderstanding, have reunited in the spirit of the Christmas season. So here they are, folks, those two entertaining boys, the old vaudeville team of Jack Benny and Fred Allen. Thank you, thank you. Uh, pardon me, uh, Mr. Announcer, but I think you have that billing a little uh, wrong. The proper way to announce this act is Fred Allen and Jack Benny. You see, my name comes first. Uh, what do you mean, your name first? Well, if you will remember, Mr. B, I, uh, I paid the room rent today. <laughs> we are not sleeping on the fire escape tonight. Oh, that's right. Introduce us again, Mr. Wells. If you will. Oh, yes. Thank you. <clears throat> so here they are, folks, those two entertaining boys... The old vaudeville team of Fred Allen and Jack Benny. Thank you. Hey, hey, wait a minute. I just happened to think of something. Uh, Mr. Announcer, my name should come first. Your name? Yeah, you see, I'm the guy that got our tuxedos out of Hawk. Remember? Oh, that's right. That's right. If it wasn't for me, you'd be here in your underwear tonight. You uh, wouldn't even be here, Mr. Benny. Wait, wait just a minute, though. I can straighten this whole thing out very easily. Here they are, folks. Those two hams, blue eyes and nasal hazel. <laughs> Say, Jack, people are... This is great, isn't it? Three receptions and we haven't done anything yet. <laughs> Wonderful, yeah. uh, People are certainly... I, I wanted to get a little joke in here, if you don't mind. No, no, no. People... <laughs> People are certainly saving their tires these days. You know, I was riding down 42nd Street there this afternoon on a streetcar, and Henry Ford got on. <laughs> Fred. Fred, uh, Fred, wait a minute. Bob Hope just did that joke in Hollywood. Well, I know, Jack, but there's three hours difference in time. That joke didn't even get here yet. <laughs> I, I thought I thought you were just giving it another chance, you know. <laughs> you know, Freddie. Um, you know, Freddie. I'm. Uh, I'm <laughs> Freddie, I'm sorry well, that I. Laugh, I don't laugh, laugh if you're sorry. <laughs> Play the part. If you're acting, if you're sorry. Talk Look, Freddie, you. I'm really, I'm terribly sorry that I argued with you over our billing. Well, I'm sorry too, Jackie. After all, this is Christmas Eve. Yes, sir. And Freddie, 
You know what the greatest thing in the world is today? It isn't money, is it? No, it isn't. And it isn't butter, Jackie. <laughs> and it isn't sugar. No, it isn't sugar, Jackie. I tell you, Fred, the greatest thing in the world today is friendship. You're right, Jack. Friendship. <laughs> if you're ever in a jam, here I am. If you're ever in a mess, S-O-S. If you ever feel so happy you land in jail, I'm your bail. It's friendship, friendship. Just a perfect friendship. When other friendships have been forgot, ours will still be hot. La, 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 dig, dig, dig. <laughs> Oh, Freddie. Yes, Jack? I understand there's a shortage of fat. Why don't you turn in your head? <laughs> if you're ever up a tree, phone to me, I'm on key. <laughs> if you're ever down a well, ring my bell. If you're ever lose your teeth and you're out to dine, borrow mine. It's friendship, friendship. Just a perfect friendship When other friendships have been forgate Ours will still be great La 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 chop 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 Oh Jack Yes Freddy I understand there's a shortage of heads well, Why don't you turn in one of yours? If they ever black your eyes, won't be wise. If they ever cook your goose, turn me loose. If they ever put a bullet right through your brain, I'll complain. It's friendship, friendship, just a perfect friendship. When other friendships have been forgiven. Ours will still be it. It's friendship, friendship. Just a perfect friendship. When other friendships have been forgot, ours will be the nuts. Oh, Merry Christmas. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. Are you one of those who take for granted the liberties and freedoms granted you as an American citizen? Take the freedom from excessive bail and fines and cruel or unusual punishments. Respect for human rights is the keystone of a true democracy fundamental to governing, liberty-loving people. This freedom granted to you cannot be taken for granted. All freedoms must be cherished and protected. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next week for more shows and personalities from radio's golden days on this, the American Forces Radio and Television Service. <laughs>